three. Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats Cast number one hundred and fifty-four. I'm Jeremy, and as always, I'm joined with my two co-hosts, Ed Wynn of TalesOfAdventure.com, and of course, Jim Caselli of CoolStuffInc.com. This cast, as always, is sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, with free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% buy list bonus. CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. How are you I guys doing this week? How about you? I, wait, 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 wait. Let me guess. I cannot complain. I'm doing well. I can confirm that Ed is doing well. I saw him at Grand Prix Minneapolis this weekend, along with a lot of listeners. So thank you guys for showing up and saying hi, talking to us at the booth. I gave away a free box of Innistrad original uh, booster packs for people that uh, recognized Ed and I. And uh, it was a pretty fun weekend. It seemed very busy. Um Anything specific that you wanted to talk about from Minneapolis, uh, Ed? Too many things I want to talk about. Uh, one, thank you to everyone who came by. Definitely a lot of people came by and chatted with us in some capacity, especially while Jeremy was at the booth. Uh, I, uh, Minneapolis is always a good show. The Midwest is always good. I'm always happy to go there. It's a good location. I think it's definitely one of the better locations that uh, Shell Fireball picks. Uh, so essentially located, and they don't have a lot of shows that come through there, so they're always good. Uh, one interesting anecdote that I had over the weekend was that uh, on Thursday, I think? At some point last week, I had sold uh, something on TC Player, and when I went to go pack his order, I looked, and I saw that his address was in Minnesota, so I just googled the city that he was in. And it showed that he was, like, more or less in a suburb of Minneapolis. Uh, it was about, like, 15 minutes away. Um, so I sent him a message. I said, hey, I'm a vendor at the GP. If you want to pick up this item, it'll be it'll be here on site for you to pick up. I'm at this vendor booth, yada, yada. Um, he said he would get back to me. And then on Friday morning, he sent a message. He said, I won't be there today, but I'll be at the GP uh, tomorrow, which is Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I was like, all right, that's fine. You know where to find me. Just come by whenever... I'll be at the booth at this time. Um, and when he showed up on Saturday morning to pick up his order, uh, we chatted for a bit. And it was apparently he had no idea that the Magic Fest was happening, uh, it, even though he lived like 10 minutes away. And uh, I mentioned it at Channel Fireball. I said, like, hey, you have some clear marketing issues here. If this individual who lives 10 minutes away like, is just not aware that you are here, he would. if I hadn't said anything to him, he, he would have come. Um, like, clearly there's some issues with marketing and how people are able to respond to this. Um, and then he he actually ended up coming by the weekend to, like, pick up some other cards from us as well. Um, but, like, to me, I think, like, the two takeaways here are that um, I definitely have the benefit of being able to offer this to people. I usually look at people's address uh, I, because I ship orders when I'm on the road. I... Definitely try and reach out people, and it definitely creates kind of that connection that allows people to put a face to their online order, and we've definitely like had an increase in business from that. Um, I do think it is interesting, again, that there's just such a breakdown. Again, like this individual actually had no idea. He said, hey, do you know if there's any more of these events around here? And I said, I don't really know of any other events. Channel Fireball, they usually come here. There's usually one Grand Prix a year in the Midwest. Uh, Star City has stopped going like west of the Mississippi, Minneapolis is kind of outside their uh, their purview. 
But uh, I just thought that was particularly interesting. I actually mentioned it to a few Channel Fireball staff, and uh, and I, I think that's just something that they could work on. I don't know how they would kind of be able to increase their range um, in terms of advertising and how they're able to reach more people in order to get them to come. But yeah, that was just kind of some, it's something that I thought about over the weekend, and uh, I thought I thought it was interesting enough to share. Yeah, that's definitely a good anecdote. Um, we also had Commander decks finally spoiled. Um, I believe that they release in a week. Uh, they release. They right? release next Friday, next so that'd be the Friday of GP Vegas. Yes. So we finally have some information to work with on what's getting reprinted, unlike last week. And Jim, I was wondering what your initial thoughts were on some of the reprints that they actually decided to include, um, saying that they were going to promise more, not necessarily more of a secondary market um, investment, but just like better reprints. And I'm curious how what like rep- what their report card would say if you were to grade it on how well they did so reprints for I the set. I don't think there's any that are like outstandingly necessary that they did reprint. Um, there's definitely a lot of cards in this in this thing that are kind of disappointing. There's a lot of things in here that are fine. There are a lot of things in here that are probably necessary, but I don't think people realize it. Um, I think that the biggest thing that they did was a lot of preemptive reprints. So the Morph deck, the Sulfide deck in particular... Uh, has a lot of older cards from, like, Onslaught Block that got reprinted and stuff from Time of Spiral that's quite old, but, like, isn't particularly expensive and isn't particularly, like, sought after at the moment. However, I do believe that they were good reprints because those are the kinds of cards that would get very expensive very quickly. So things like, um, uh, what is the, the X Black Black Flip? The, the Morph guy, I forgot the name. Bane of, of the Living. Yeah, Bane of the Living, Chrome Shell Crab. Bane of the Living. Like, all of those ones from Onslaught that they reprinted, like, preemptively reprinted, I think were going to be quite expensive, and people would have probably complained if they weren't in the deck. Um, I think that a lot of people think that stuff like uh, Ixidor should have been reprinted, or I, I think there's, like, an artifact that does with, has to deal with, like, reducing the cost of morphs, but I can't remember. Is it Dream Chisel? Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, I've seen a lot of conversation yeah, around like, that card. There's some weird cards that like they chose not to reprint, which is odd considering they decided to reprint like the good morph creatures. So I don't I don't quite understand that part in particular. Um, I think that a lot of the things in this set are just really the unsung heroes. Like every deck's got a soul ring. Every like there's a bajuka bob. They actually put some rare. Um, lands in this deck so it's like there's a cinder glade there's a drowned catacomb there's uh i think that the selesnia one is in there too um like they reprinted some planeswalkers like they're not there's no worm coil engine in any of these decks which people will point out and be like oh this is awful there's no there's no like you know 20 dollar reprint rare but i think that a lot of these decks are going to be carried on the value of the new cards themselves um, I know that a lot of people are, are very interested in Dockside Extortionist, which is the one red goblin that makes a treasure for every artifact and enchantment your opponents control. Like I think that guy's probably pretty busted and will be a red staple for you know a long time. Like 
It's a ritual that also plays well with like artifacts, energy cards, and late in the game often makes a lot more mana than it costs. Um, so I think that that's like a particularly good card out of the set. But like the most expensive and most sought after reprint, I think, is like Seaboard Muse and Town Truth Discovery, and I think maybe Solemn. Like those are all like about six dollars now, and they're fine, but they're not like the knockout hits that people really wanted. Um, we still don't have Oracle Moldiah for some unknown reason. Like, I don't understand why I keep printing green decks and just don't want to put that card in, in any of them. Uh, I, because it will sell booster yeah, packs in the future in when they reprint either. it in That's Battle Bond really 2. Bugs me. It's like, they don't put them in booster packs and they also don't put them in these reprint decks and I just don't understand when they're going to reprint it. Like, I know that they're going to do it at some point in time, but just when is, is the question. And I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think that they did a good job with the newer cards, um, like the the alternate commanders that you can use are pretty good, and I think will cause a lot of people to buy new cards. Um, there's a Lightning Greaves in here, there's a Sun Titan in here, there's a Geth in here. Like, There's a lot of like five-ish dollar cards that got reprinted, and I think there were a couple Planeswalkers that were in this, which I think is the first time they've done reprint Planeswalkers in one of these sets. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they've ever done a, a planeswalker of any type before, except if they were like a commander. You are correct. So I mean, th there's there's definitely you're correct on that things to like out of here. I think that you're definitely gonna get your money's worth if you buy the whole deck. Um, but there's not like I think I think there's there, there's just not a lot of like really expensive cars that people have been waiting for for a long time that got reprinted. I think there's just a lot of like medium stuff that will help keep the prices down for for a little bit while people open these you know like while they're busting you know boxes for the dockside extortionist they'll also have like the ghostly prison or the um strionic resonator or just like stuff like that like that could be could have gotten expensive uh had they not reprinted it so I think it's better than the last set of decks, and I think that the biggest problem with the last set of decks is they just didn't reprint anything that you really wanted. Like, the biggest glaring issue that I can remember is the Jun deck was supposed to have, like, lands going to the Graveyard Matters and didn't include the Gitrog monster or Omnath. And, like, those are the two premier cards that are even not even that old that really fit into that style of deck, and people were just really confused as to why they didn't do that. This time, I don't think there's nearly as many cards that are like, oh yeah, this like 100% should have been in the deck that they just didn't include for some reason, which I think is, a, is definitely an improvement over previous years. I think that it's just, it stinks that they just didn't put any like really expensive reprint or, or, or even moderately expensive reprint in any of these decks. Like there's no 10 or $15 card that people could go and say, look and point and like, yeah, this deck has this card and that's really good. So, uh... If, 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 like, I'd probably say this is, like, a B or C. Like, if the, if the newer cards were worse, I think it'd be closer to C, but I think it's, like, B in terms of, like, overall deck value and, like, the cards that are included in it. Um, like, you definitely get your money's worth, and I think you will for a while, but the reprints were definitely honed in on, like, stuff that could have gotten expensive if they didn't get reprints. So you don't really see the kind of... Uh, you don't see the the prices going down like you would have expected if you, if the card got reprinted. Yeah, 
Yeah, Ed, any thoughts on Commander? Because I saw a lot of cards moving this weekend at Minneapolis due to that uh, deck. So I think, like... I, I think the issue that I'm having with what a lot of people are saying is I... The, dis, the assumption that these cards should be packed with reprints and value is strictly incorrect. Um, it's very, very hard to sell an, an item that has a fixed set of cards and have it be valuable... Because you have two options. One, if it is valuable, um, it won't be for very long because people will just buy that and then just drive the price into the ground. Or the flip side is that stores just won't sell it to you for cheap, right? Like the extreme, the extreme example is the Mythic Editions, right? Like Watsy is trying to sell them at fixed price of you know two forty nine percent or something, and like even now, like three like three months after the debacle for the Spark. Right, like you, you still cannot, you still cannot buy that for less than like six hundred and like thirty ish dollars or so, um, right? Even though like the MSRP on that, I suppose is like two hundred fifty. Like no one in their right mind would ever sell it to you for two fifty. Every store will pay more than two fifty, and then every store that's trying to resell it should get more than two fifty. Um, and th- and that's just what happens when you just put like too much value into a set. Um, it either becomes impossible to find, and you have an inflated retail price. Or on something uh, that's much more accessible, people just open it and then just drive the value into the ground. At which point, people start complaining like, oh, my cards are now worthless. And yes, your cards are worthless now because the supply just went through the roof. Um, I think that these are in a good spot. I think having a lot of like middling foils are good. I think a lot of people are also underestimating like how... I shouldn't necessarily say expensive, but how, de- how in demand and how hard some of these cards were to find... Uh, Temp with Discovery is a good example. I think that card was previously printed in, what was it, C13? I think that was the last printing of this. Uh, someone help me out here. Um, I'll but, like, it it's, like, it, yeah, um, yeah, hop, like, just jump in whenever uh, is you C- find it. But C13, it's not pretty good. C13, C16, and C19. So it's been three so years. So C13 and C16. It's been three years, right? And, like, that card is reasonably difficult to find as he's played a lot of green decks they sell very, very well in TCG Player, and you generally don't buy a lot of them at Grand Prix or in collections unless you're buying someone's EDH deck. Um, and, like, this is the type of thing that you... that it's probably better off for Wizards to make somewhat evergreen. There's a fair far, fair few amount of cards that fall in this category of cards that have not seen a reprint in some amount of time, and they're reasonably popular enough, and they're somewhat hard to find that these are the types of things that go well into fixed uh, into fixed decks like commander products. Whereas like the higher reprint items, things are a little bit more expensive. Wizards knows that they can get a little bit more mileage by making it Oracle Voldaya as a mythic in the next battle bond slash conspiracy slash uh, commander masters reprint product type thing that they'll probably have coming out in November. Um, because that's that's they know that that's how they'll sell packs. Whereas Commander, they know that basically regardless of how good or bad the packs are, there will always be Commander players. There will always be people that are buying that product regardless of what it looks like. Um, so that's my take on Commander. I know like a lot of people are going to disagree with me. A lot of people think that, you know, a lot of people will continue to think that Commander pro- products should be like just like chock full of reprints. And I just like... I think if they have, if you have an understanding, you think of what Wizards is trying to do, like you, like you should be able to realize that you, you just can't have a forty dollar product that has like sixty dollars worth of singles in there. 
Yeah, I think that's... So you like, then, what happened with, say, Commander 14 and Commander 15 over Commander 13, where everyone just wanted True Name, and you think that they're doing a better job uh, managing reprints? And, like, this goes through Jim, too, obviously. Yeah, I think Dead did a better job of explaining what I was trying to say, where, like, a lot of cards could have, like, a lot of cards would have been more expensive had they gotten reprinted, and... When you do stuff like not reprint like particularly expensive cards, it doesn't cause people to rush out and buy them. So, in in essence, you can think of like all of the cards that they got reprinted as like more value because they would have been more expensive had they got not gotten reprinted. So, like for example, um, you know, looking back at last year when they didn't reprint the Get Rod Monster, it like went from like two dollars to twelve dollars and. That's ten dollars worth of reprint that could have been in that set in that deck, but if they did get reprinted, it still would have been probably two dollars, and people would have complained that it's not worth anything. So it's it's important to look at like cards if they're cards that you were going to play with and they're cards that you wanted, but how expensive they are shouldn't really matter that much. Like how expensive they are after you've purchased them shouldn't matter. So if you buy this thirty-five dollar deck and you get forty-five dollars worth of cards. That should be good enough. You you should be happy with that. Anything that you wanted to add to, add to no, that, Ed? I think, like Jim said, we basically like we're kind of in agreement here. Like we're just basically saying the same thing. Um, and it is what it is. Like I think people just have to come to terms. Like it. I I don't think there's any doubt. That like a lot of the expensive reprints, like the Oracle Dias, Idyllic Tutors, these types of cards, there is certainly a reprint coming somewhere down the line. You just can't expect for it all to come at once and just drop, like just drop in your hands in the form of like a fixed deckless product like Commander. Yep, and um, we'll move on, I guess. Then uh, we'll have a credit winner next week to pick from. Um, stay tuned. We've been updating everyone through Discord on everything that's going on and uh, how we're recording content in the future. Um, so we'll we'll push this episode out pretty fast for you guys. So you guys can win a free twenty five dollar cool stuff ink card for next week. But uh, moving on, it was interesting to see sealed box prices um, at the Grand Prix this weekend. I feel like Ed and I sort of know. Uh, why vendors are buying sealed boxes on site, but I was hoping that Egg could sort of talk about uh, why a vendor may buy a bunch of sealed boxes at a Grand Prix, and then how does that relate to why people are selling boxes for cheap um, online? So uh, I, I just think it's something that a lot of people should touch on, especially with judges still at the moment being paid in booster boxes. Um, like, what is a value of a booster box at a grand prix versus like in your local area or something and is it worth spending money to pick up booster boxes from your local judges uh it's kind of an odd question i'm not really sure how to respond to that i think like uh we basically provide a relatively basic service i guess because judges know like hey i have i'm getting you know paid you know in quotes, in booster in booster boxes, these have some amount of value. Some judges just want the money right away. Um, so we're basically there to provide service. I know like a lot. Of, we have a lot of repeat judges that just come up to us and will always say, "Hey, what can you give me in boxes?" Um, we generally try and take care of the judges, especially the ones that that come up consistently. Um, 
Uh, it's a way that these judges can basically get money right away as opposed to waiting to go back and sell, you know, sell locally or like have to ship box, boxes out or whatever. Some judges, you know, pack lightly, don't really want to pay for a check bag. Uh, these are all things that we have to work in. Um, I I think it does kind of put them in an awkward spot. I wish it wasn't really something that uh, we have to deal with. I, it's kind of unfortunate for judges because there are some judges that I don't particularly care for. I know that they kind of go around first and try and get like the first dibs on boxes because they get their boxes first or whatever. And then it's kind of, it's a little unfortunate for the judges because as we start to hit our quota and we can't really take any more, we have to like just by necessity lower the prices on boxes. Um, uh, core twenty is particularly bad. The value is not very very high. Um, so there's just there's a value in opening them. A lot of people don't really want them. Uh, people don't really, people don't really want to buy them. People don't really want to sell them, especially if we're gonna offer like you know fifty five dollars, which is the number that we want to take them at. We still got a bunch of boxes at fifty five dollars. Um, I think uh, I don't know. I I'm not I'm not really sure where you're trying to go with this question, but that's kind of my take on buying boxes. I think that it was just a question that a viewer asked to us this weekend. Sure, they were curious about like why people were buying boxes for what and like whether they should be attempting to buy boxes at a grand prix or buying them from their judges locally well, you definitely uh, shouldn't try to buy anything from a not vendor at a grand prix that's just a bad idea sure but i w i wasn't going to say anything but i was also behind a booth this weekend to be fair okay but that's i just wanted to clarify what you were saying like you can't buy anything from any other players or any staff you can only buy them from vendors those are the only people allowed to buy and sell stuff there and as vendors, as per like a, our contract with Channel Fireball events, uh, we're technically not allowed to resell uh, the standard product that we buy either. So I realize that kind of puts people in a pinch, but yep. uh, those we just follow the rules. We don't make them. So, um, yeah. That's, that's yeah. all I got. So it's, it's, it was just a question that a viewer brought up, so I figured we'd talk Pardon. about it. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving on, we had Minneapolis this weekend, as we've been talking about, which was modern. And Wizards came out today, and they said that they will not be emergency banning, uh, or I think Aaron Foresight, not Wizards officially, uh, came out and said that there won't be any emergency bans for modern. Um, and if you look at Hogak right now, it is a $3 card. Um, so I'm curious on what Jim thinks the next banned and restricted list is going to look like. In, uh, in two weeks, because their marquee event of GP Vegas will apparently have Hogak legal, and uh, what cards you expect to move um, based on, like, what, what cards will go up and down on the next band and restricted list in two weeks. So, um, I do believe that Hogak will probably get banned. Um, I saw some people on Twitter, you know, saying something to the effect of, like, well, they brand Bridge the first time because they couldn't ban a card from a set that they released a month ago because that looks really bad. Uh, this is a mistake. It's an obvious mistake at this point, and they will they will ban it. But it's just uh, what else is going to get axed, and I, I don't really have the qualifications to um, do that kind of stuff, so I'm not I'm not sure. 
I will say, though, that given the price of Hogak right now, I would probably be interested in purchasing a couple of copies of it. I don't think that it's going to get banned in Legacy, and I don't think that it's, like, it's a strong enough card that at some point in the future it could be a thing in Legacy. And I actually played against it again in Commander last week, and it's really cheap 8-8, and that sometimes just kills people. Like, that's just, like, if your friends journal around a lot and you just cast Hogak and just attack them, you will kill them a lot of the time, uh, much like it does in Modern. So I, I think that there's, like, a non-zero amount of people that will try to play this in Commander eventually, like, if they do, like, another Dredge-style card uh, in, in a Commander set or a Dredge-style Commander deck. Um, I think that that's where you could see that be good again. I, th I think that it's just too good of a card and still legal in too many formats to be a sub-$2 card forever. Uh, I... I, I definitely agree with this. I think a lot of people aren't taking into account that the issue with banning Hogak right now, and I, like a lot of people aren't realizing that they can't just do an emergency banning because a card suddenly does well, um, is because if for the casual player that's attending GP Vegas and playing Modern, if they already have their deck locked in, I, I realize it's kind of a crappy thing to do, but I... You know, just just kind of following the magic scene. Like, if you decide that you know you've been kind of trying to work on this deck since Modern uh, Horizons came out, and you've played some variation or whatever. Like, and this your deck certainly gets banned. I think that's just going to cause way more problems, and that's a worse experience for uh, for your average casual attendee than it does about necessarily making um, then like making the quality and integrity of the modern format better. I like I legitimately think Modern is a dumpster fire. I've thought this from the very beginning. Um, like in like in reality, the fact that people are saying I'm not going to attend GP Vegas and play in the Modern event because this is largely inconsequential. Uh, attendance at USGPs has basically been at like a like a decade low, not a decade low, but like the probably the like, lowest has been in, like the past five years. Um, they certainly made kind of the push away. There's a, there's a lot of factors going into this, like kind of the decline in competitive magic, the fact that Channel Fireball has been pushing for more side events, like opening the experience to a casual player as opposed to, you know, some of the like, you know, professional uh, professional grinders are trying to like fly around, collect pro points. Like a lot of those people are gone. Um, and by opening it up, it has... You've kind of shifted the numbers. Like, I realize that the attendance does look low and it does look deceiving, but it's still possible for a GP to be fine for vendors, even if attendance isn't the strongest. And the fact that people are saying that I'm just not going to play the main event is, I think, pretty inconsequential. Uh, mainly because Vegas is just kind of the, like, the event of the year for, um, for Magic. I think they've always pushed it as Vegas is, like, the big show. You know, they, they hit it hard with, we'll have a lot of side events. We have side events that are unique uh, to Vegas. They bring in content producers. They have more vendors than usual. All these things are will mean that Vegas will be fine. Vegas is just no worse because Hogak is here to ruin Modern, despite what people seem to think, right? This is the last chance for people to play Modern Horizons Limited. Um, Vegas is going to be fine. Uh, it's just much better that they let the results play out. And then, you know, they'll certainly deal with Hogak, I imagine, at the next 
uh, banning cycle on August 26th, and then life goes on as normal. Yeah, I, I agree with Ed here. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see uh, what happens as far as like the money that can be made. Like I anticipate Leyline of the Void to go lower. Um, like BIOS numbers uh, on Leyline of the Void were insane on site because people needed it for modern. And I expect a lot of people to sell their copies um, once Hoget gets banned. And I'm also interested to see what other cards from Modern Horizons go up after Hogak gets banned. Um, I think it'll be a much more interesting modern meta. Um, they may even ban Faithless Looting, which could also lead to a bunch of new cards spiking. So, uh, new demand for new cards is good when a lot of cards have gone down a ton in price um, this year, or like may not be being played that much due to how prevalent the top two or three decks are in modern right now. So I, I just think that there's a lot of financial opportunity uh, when the next modern ban list comes around. Nothing else I there? I haven't <laughs> played modern in a very long time. I, I just like the format, but I know that people do like it, so we'll see what happens as we get closer. I, you know, it, It's obvious they told us that there's not going to be any bannings before Vegas, so the only thing we can do is plan for after that. All right. Well, until then, we can plan for our pick of the week if Ed wants to start us off. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I've kind of gone through like all the standard cards, uh, all the standard stats in the past like month or so. I think we're kind of approaching uh, the like this, the the last bit of time before start cards start to go up again. Uh, uh, now that Commander's done, uh, they usually start to spoil uh, some amount of cards for an excess starting with packs at the end of uh, no at the beginning excuse me at the beginning of summer september i think labor day weekend um so like I, i'll say it again if people haven't already bought their cards that are going to be legal in standard uh from guilds of ravnica forward this is probably your chance um these cards aren't gonna get cheaper if you recall from last year a lot of the uh dominaria lands um the Dominaria Checklands went up. Uh, Vivian Reed went from being like $4 to like $20. Um, these are types of things that happen. I think Jim had called for for people to just buy the Checklands for multiple weeks and then eventually got quite expensive. Um, regardless of that, I'm I'm actually picking some Ultra Masters cards. I think a lot of them have kind of bond bound price. I think Demonic Tutor, I do re I see I seem to recall picking it at some point. Um the uh non-foil version is getting somewhat difficult to find. Um every time I list copies on TCG player, they sell out very, very quickly. Um I think people are well past the point where Ultimate Masters products are being opened up, even though uh the box prices have stagnated. Uh they've basically plateaued at three eighty to four hundred. Um you see them online, people in the Facebook groups generally try and sell them, but I just I just see a lot of demand for a lot of the casual Ultimate Masters cards. Um, I think Demonic Tutor is just kind of at the top of that list, mainly because it hasn't really had another reprint. I think the most recent uh, reprinting was the Dual Deck uh, variation. Um, I think Dual Deck Anthologies was the most recent one, and uh, 
this one has the add bonus of one it has new art and two it also has the holographic stamp and it with like the most modern card face and for whatever reason i certainly seem to think that people are people generally gravitate towards that i don't know if that's one because people want to keep their card or the decks look all the same with the same frame cards but um i've just had like the least amount of difficulty selling uh demonic tutors and it wouldn't surprise me if this card hits like 30 35 dollars like by the end of the year Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, I'm also interested to see some of the other cards uh, that go along with that spiking, but I think that's probably the best one in that deck, for sure. Uh, so, Jim? my pick this week is a reserve list card. Ooh. That's the evil MTG speculator we yeah. all know and love, I guess. So, but uh, what is it? Uh, it's... Do you, do you want to play guess that card? Because I'm almost 100% sure you do not know this card or what it does. We are not breaking, or we're not brainstorm brewery, but okay, I'm happy to a take a guess. It's a 2BB enchantment from Mirage. No, I was going to say no mercy, but... I have I literally no idea. Uh, the name of the card is called Tombstone Stairwell. It's a world enchantment from Mirage. And... What it does is basically a bunch of nothing for the most part, but it makes a bunch of zombie tokens that die every turn, and they do, it does it on everybody's turn. And there's a uh, there's a new card in the new commander set, Grismold the Dreadsower, who has an ability that says whenever a creature token dies, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Uh, this card makes. Uh, gives it plus eight, plus eight every turn. Wait, one, two, three, four. Yeah, every turn cycle it'll get, or no, every turn it'll get four plus one plus one counters because four zombies will enter the battlefield and die in the same turn. And uh, once somebody plays this on like a, uh, like a versus thing or or even just like on the commander zone or whatever. Uh, it's going to get very expensive because this is just basically an auto-include in that deck. It makes so many zombie tokens so quickly and gets him so many plus one plus one counters. Uh, right now you can buy near-mint copies of this card, which is, let me tell you, it's from Mirage. It's very old. They don't really exist. Uh, for about $5 on TCG Player, I do believe that it will be quite expensive if this card ever gets like out into the wild and people realize how good it is. That is definitely out there, but I like the logic behind yeah, your Yeah, once people the get lead. their hands on these decks, I mean, I, I um, th this guy actually, in particular, Grismold, is much better than I thought it was going to be. A friend of mine proxied up a deck and played it last week, and uh, the cards he chose to play in the deck were kind of bad, but it, the card itself, like the, the commander itself, was very good. So I think that like a tuned deck list of this could be very, very good. I'm going to go get my tinfoil hat nice. in preparation for all the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Uh, about how why Tombstone Stairwell gets bought out or whatever. Yes. I agree. Um, I have two picks this week. Um, but first I have one that I didn't know why. The, like the, did anyone know Sahili Rai is worth money it's again? Been, or was I going out of the loop? It's always, it's always been worth not zero. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. I think... Uh, like people have always, people has always bought them. They've always been easy to sell, uh, 
but like it, it's just like steadily been creeping up so yep yeah i didn't know it was creeping up and then i looked at what they were selling for and i was like oh i should probably know that so sometimes you just don't buy in a card for a while and you forget what they actually go for right so yeah um anyway uh, one of the cards that I really like picking up right now is uh, Treasure Map Post-Rotation. The card has definitely started to fall down quite a bit. Uh, not so much necessarily for the uh, the Scry 1 and like put a counter on the front, but more so for the backside. I feel like there's going to be more and more treasures printed in the future. Um, it's also a very fun casual card in EDH, and a lot of people are asking for them, and it's getting to the point where... The card's going down so much that people don't want to, like, sell them for basically nothing. Uh, but a lot of people want to buy them for basically nothing. Um, so I'm specifically looking at the Buy a Box promo, which I think is around $10. Um, and I feel like non-foil copies are okay because it will be hard to reprint a double face card. Um, but it's, it's just something to keep in mind. Um, another card I really like right now, which is predicated on the success of Old School, I think, disclaimer, I own 12 of these, is, uh, Flying Men from Arabian Nights. Um, it was up to, like, $20 last year. Bios were extremely strong on it. Um, the card's now down to 5 or $6. Um, if Old School prices go up again, I expect this card to double or triple. Um, but right now, Bylas are fairly anemic on this card, and the amount of players that are playing these hasn't changed. Uh, so this is more of a market condition call, where they're getting so cheap again that it you'll probably see them online for a couple bucks. Um, and it may like not be a bad card to throw in to finish up free shipping on an order or something. So that's just something I'm looking at where I do own a couple copies, but I feel like over time, this will just keep going up. Um, because it doesn't matter how many more Flying Men they print in the future, um, people will still want to play this in old school. So those are my two picks this week. Uh, am I wrong or right about them? I don't know. You guys are welcome to leave feedback about uh, that. I think the Treasure Map is a very good card that not enough people play in Commander. It should probably be as ubiquitous as like um, Soul Ring, but it's not as sexy, so it doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. Yeah, and the scry yeah, is sure. pretty good in EDH because it's only yeah it's only one mana to scry each turn, which after the first couple turns of EDH is not that hard. Um, yep. Where can people find you guys? Uh, I'm Edwin. You guys can find me on Twitter at Edwin13. Uh, I will be behind the Tales of Adventure booth all days in Las Vegas. Uh, something else. What, what, what do I miss? What am I missing about my spiel here? I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. I got nothing else. Jim. My name is Jim Casal. You Jim. can find me on Twitter at PHRST underscore. Uh, you can find me in Montreal in September for a non-magic event because uh, I'm a nerd and I'm going to go play Pokemon in Montreal. Hopefully. Uh, and you can find me on this lovely podcast every week. I'm Jeremy. You can find me at uh, Vegas next week with Ed. Uh, I don't know what our recording schedule is because Vegas is a very long week. Um, 
You can find this podcast on Twitter at cartel underscore finance, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, and of course on our sponsors, coolstuffinc.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon and hopefully in person. And as always, bye-bye. Have a good one.